Welcome to A Moment of Change, brought to you by On Purpose London. 2020 has brought significant political, social and economic disruption to many areas of society. This is a moment of change that will lead to fundamental shifts in the world going forward, for better and for worse. In this short podcast series, we will speak with leaders working in various areas within the social and environmental impact sectors to find out what impact 2020 has had on them and on their challenges, both professionally and personally. On Purpose is a non-profit organisation and community that believes in putting purpose before profit as a way to create an economy that works for all. Associates from the On Purpose programme are asking the questions in each episode of A Moment of Change. Over to them. Hello and welcome everyone to the Consumerism episode of the On Purpose A Moment of Change podcast. I'm Helen Armstrong. Hello, I'm Shauna Jordan. And we've both very recently finished the On Purpose programme and we're delighted to be here with you today with some incredible guests who will introduce you shortly. While we wish we could all be in the same room today, due to the current COVID situation, we're each recording in separate places, which means we have a slightly less than ideal sound condition, so please bear with us on this. The thinking behind this episode has been driven by lockdown giving us reason to reflect and reevaluate many aspects of our lives, not least our consumer habits, and the impact of our purchases on both planet and people. During today's episode, we'll be speaking to three guests leading the charge on sustainable living to dig deeper into the impact that COVID has had on our spending habits, both good and bad, and more crucially, whether we can expect these changes to continue into the future. Thanks, Helen. So our guests today are firstly, Sarah Dival, who is a creative partner at the environmental charity Hubbub. Next, we have Jarvis Smith, changemaker, thought leader and co-founder of My Green Pod. And last but not least, Natasha Parker, who heads up the Compassion Not Consumerism team at Global Action Plan. Big, big welcome to everyone today. And thank you so, so much for joining us. So we know you all focus on sustainable living as a part of your work. Could you tell us a bit more about the sector that you each work in and a little bit about what changes to consumerism attitudes and habits that you've seen happening over the past year? So, Sarah, coming to you first, we've seen you releasing some really interesting content and research throughout lockdown, um, all about the impact of coronavirus on our behaviours. So perhaps you could start us off, tell us a bit about you and what it's been like working in your sector this year. Sure. So I work for Hubbub, which is an environmental charity. We've been running for about five years um, and we try and engage the mainstream public in sustainability. So that means sometimes we don't talk about sustainability straight away, but we'll talk about saving money or kind of tips that will help you live a kind of better, more fulfilled life. Um, And as part of that, there might also be um, sustainable benefits. And when COVID happened, we realised that a lot of the things that we've been talking about for a really long time, which was food waste and saving money at home and the kind of not sexy bits that people aren't always as interested in then suddenly became really popular because people were cooking at home more they had more people in the house their money was tighter so they were really interested in these kind of small things that you could do individually or as a family that would save you money so we started putting out we kind of shifted our whole content range so it was all about live savvy which was just ways people could save money and be more sustainable at home which was a lot of how do you plan your meals for the week and how do you make sure that you're not wasting food? They're not very interesting, not very sexy bits of sustainability, but can make a massive difference on an individual level. Um, So we've been doing that for the last six months or so and talking to people about everything from food waste to getting out in the garden to, you know, how they can repair their Mm -hmm. clothes uh, because people just aren't 
spending money or kind of living in the same way that they were in March. And Jarvis, how about you? We saw the release of your Don't Change video. Can you tell us a bit more about this and what you've noticed over the lockdown period? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I've been in, in this kind of ethical shopping space for since 2008, actually. I would have been waiting for a pivotal moment like this in, in, in time because, you know, one of the things I've always recommended to people um, if we're going to deal with a climate crisis is, is firstly to stop everything that we're doing. And we've just had this, you know, fantastic, awful, but huge opportunity. So it's a real, it's a real polarity in, in the way it's been delivered. But if it has come from nature, then clearly nature is giving us a signal. So, you know, what, what we do ultimately is we try and encourage people to just be more conscious about the way they live their lives in the way that they spend their money in the way that they buy their energy and the way they travel, you know, from A to B and the way they go on holiday. And we've identified there are six things, six quick wins that any individual can do. So our don't change video was that, you know, we're not asking people to change anymore. We've already done that. We've gone through the process of the change. And, you know, as Sarah just pointed out that people are living differently. Yes, we were forced into it, but to be very honest, we're going to always have to be forced into it. People are just not aware enough of the biggest issue of humanity's time. It's just very clear. You know, the Earth's given us a, an advert every single day. There's some catastrophic climate crisis somewhere in the planet. And people look at it on the news and they go, oh, oh, that's a shame. And guess get back on with the business. So, so this is a huge opportunity. And I call it the great shamanic awakening. I'm really interested to hear more about that shift in consciousness that we need. And Natasha, over to you. So working on the Compassion Not Consumerism campaign, what have you seen over the past year in your sector? The Global Action Plan, essentially everything everything we do is based around the idea that what's good for us as people and as human beings is, is good for the planet too. They're trying to help us live happier, more sustainable lives because uh, often the way it can be uh, portrayed can be quite miserable, like we've got to... Um, give things up and that life's going to be you know going backwards and you know that's just not true actually the ways that we live shift to more sustainable ways and should have a positive impact on our well-being in lots of ways as well um and what we've seen what's been really interesting for us is that so a lot of what we're trying to do is help people see well what can a if we live in a post-consumerism world if we're living in ways that aren't so consumerist what on earth does that look like because we've just been so most of us have just grown up in this culture all our lives it's really hard for us to imagine anything else um so what we've seen is just a real kind of it's really opened up our imaginations that life can be different and that things can just change really quickly really quickly we've all had to just suddenly get used to very new ways of living and like Jarvis said you know for, for the worst reasons you know it's obviously a really really sad um, time for, for a lot of people and it's been tough in many many ways but actually people are also starting to question their lifestyles and question you know well actually what's really making me happy is it you know working long hours commuting people have started to get used to some of the nice benefits like having cleaner air in their streets and less cars around and um, you know maybe and we, we want to keep those things so the whole kind of build back better uh, movement has been building up around which has been amazing for people using their imaginations again to think how do we want to live that we can live differently and actually we can design the future of the ways that we live to be to be different we don't have to get stuck in just saying how things have always been um so as Sarah was saying you know we've changed loads of our habits um have have just 
you know, whether it's what we eat or how we cook or how we travel and all those kinds of things, which has been thrill because it's really just helping people to have that imagination to think, you know, things things can be different. And and that's been amazing for us because a lot of what we're trying to do is helping people envision what the world could be like. Once we, you know, do live in these ways that are more sustainable, how can that be better for us? Yeah. Absolutely. And it it sounds like you've alluded to that same kind of mindset shift that Sarah was talking about. There might have been a hesitance to to really push this information on the general public, the mainstream public um, prior to this period. But now people are actually looking at things in a different way. They are gardening more um, and and things like that that they might not have been doing before. Yeah, I I think it's, you know, Natasha's kind of said that, you know, we were born into this kind of system that that clearly doesn't serve us. And, you know, we we, uh, for the first time in in certainly in the history that is that is recorded you know we've had a global awakening of a recognition of cause and effect i.e if we stop doing this the air gets cleaner nature comes back if we stop doing this you know this happens so it's the first time we've ever had that experience but i want to go backwards a bit to the 70s because consume the word consume and we all label ourselves as consumers the word consume in the dictionary says to destroy or expend the use or use up to eat or drink, devour, to destroy as by decomposition or burning, to spend money wastefully. So, you know, we've got this, we've been born into this labelling theory of being a consumer. We're not consumers. We have been given that label by a very, very clever economist back in the post-war, a guy called Victor Lebeau. And his, his, his mantra was, our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life, that we convert the buying and the use of goods into rituals, that we seek our spiritual satisfaction, our ego satisfaction in consumption. We need things consumed, burned up, replaced and disregarded at an ever accelerating rate. So when we call ourselves a consumer, that is what we are buying into. Now, labelling theory has been scientifically proven. You call a child an idiot from a birth, it will grow up to think it's an idiot. So we are we have been programmed to be consumers. Now, what I'm trying to do is remind people that we are conscious citizens that shop. And so if you call yourself an ethical consumer, that's a paradox. There is no such thing as an ethical consumer. It's impossible to be an ethical consumer. You're either ethical or you're a consumer. So I just want to bring that to the table because that's the plan that we need to be on is, is changing the. The, the, the wording around what we call ourselves and you know we're people that like to buy stuff and that, that that's it off, off the soapbox <laughs> it's such an important point I totally agree and um, there's a really interesting research out there that's been done where they've actually done experiments where if you prime someone by calling them a consumer versus calling them a citizen mm. they actually behave less selfishly like when you play like those kind of games where you've got to kind of decide am I going to do something that benefits me but doesn't benefit the other players and if you call someone a citizen they're more likely to behave in ways that actually benefit the whole group and if you call someone a consumer they'll behave in ways that only act more selfishly so yeah there's there's real kind of research behind this that, that shows it's really important how what we call ourselves and we do need to move away from thinking of ourselves just as consumers and as citizens you know we are we are part of this world and we have to contribute and we have responsibility it's been a very clever advertising manipulative system that we have watched on the outside of our existence and we are you know we're literally shaped we're seeing it now with you know with the the the, the, the digital information 
that can actually shift a person's decisions. I mean, it's, you know, it's all out there and it's very, very, very clever. And the only way we can combat it is to take responsibility, recognize that actually we're being controlled by a system that we're not even in control of. And, and therefore we can only change things within ourselves. And that's what my work's all about, is trying to empower and inspire people to remember that we have the power. You know, all of these big brands and governments and, and, and multinationals, they only exist because we spend our money with them or we vote for them. And we are 99% to one. So if you look at the, you know, the big figures, the 1% controls nearly everything. Um, probably not quite right statistically, but you get what I'm saying. And actually, we're the power. We're the numbers. You know, we just need to unify, remember, and try and reconnect with nature. Just a point on the end of that, we were talking about kind of what you feel when you're called a consumer and there's such a passivity to it. So when you were talking about earlier, like we see things about climate change on the news and we say, oh, that's sad, but there's nothing that I can really do about that. Or that's something that, you know, that somebody else will deal with that's not totally related to my life. And I think that's all tied up in how we think of ourselves and whether we feel like we are powerful enough to engage, to take action, that our voice will be listened to, that we have a kind of worth as a citizen which if your only purpose is to shop, um, you don't feel that way when you're called a consumer. Yeah, it's so true. So there's, there's, a, there's a big big communication strategy that needs to evolve. And I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of advertising companies out there, agencies now that are waking up to this and they're trying to do things differently. And, you know, we're in, a, we're in the most monumental time right now. There's more people on the planet ever. There's a consciousness in the younger generations that really want to shift and change things. And, you know, there's business leaders like us and organizations and charities that are trying to do things differently. But we're competing against a machine that is very, very difficult to turn off. The only way we can do that is by uniting and, and, and directing our energy, i.e. money and the way we live and everything else in a, in a, in a new direction. And, uh, you know, build back better. I mean, I think we just need to stay stopping <laughs> for the next 10 years and really, really try and engage in essential items only. And we know our economy is going to collapse from that because we've already seen that when people buy essential items, the, you know, the economies collapse. But that's not a bad thing. You know, nature has resources. There's enough opportunity to grow the right food and, you know, live. Uh, we just need to remember uh, that we can do it without the, the non-essential stuff that we're all brought into. Yeah, just because I think there has been this real tension that is is often, you know, it's stated in when we talk about living more sustainably and consuming less, it's like, well, what about the economy? You know, we need you need people to buy things to to have jobs. And you know, it's a it's a tricky one. It's it because it, it's 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 not great when you've got, you know, a whole uh, section of people losing their jobs, but I think the Really, we need to absolutely transform our economic system because clearly we, we can't have just endless consumption just to keep the economy alive. You know, we have to find new ways of living and organising ourselves. And actually, there's more than ever, there's popular support for this. So the, the APPG on the Green New Deal in the UK, they did a massive survey recently of 55,000 people in the UK from left, right, Brexit voters, Remain voters, you know, you name it, like a real proper cross-section of society. And they found that 66% of us now want an economy that puts well-being at the heart of our economy rather than just GDP growth. So we're really starting to see a shift in the mindset of people out there. So it's, it's a real time for big change. You know, you can, this has really opened people's minds up to actually to show how broken the system is. 
and that we need that big change and people are open for it in the moment so i think it's it's very it's very exciting we've got to capitalize on this we've got to really you know push for these big changes quickly but it's exciting to see that you know so many people are actually open to these ideas now definitely and really motivating to hear that 66% of people are valuing well-being um absolutely um, great. Thank you so much all for that. Great introduction to, to your sectors and what you're doing. Um, Helen, I might hand over to you now to get into the, the nitty gritty of your individual businesses. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Shauna. It's great to hear everyone's passion, enthusiasm. And it's sort of re- really shining through. Great to have that sort of wider context. And then sort of moving on, really keen to sort of narrow the focus slightly to understand more about the impact of 2020 and sort of everything we've discussed on your individual businesses. So sort of any sort of key changes that you might have seen as a result of the pandemic. So this could be anything sort of from a shift in business priorities to campaign content or culture. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think on a macro scale, there's a there's a really lovely um response to this that you know when people went into lockdown, certainly in 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 the in the Western countries, the the search for the the very sentence how to live a sustainable lifestyle went up on Google by over four and a half thousand percent. And that's huge. Why is that huge? Because we are practically controlled in a digital world by AI. AI manipulates everything that we see and do in in the world that we live in, which is more screen time than, than ever, right? So you know, if, if if people are searching for that, then the AI, thankfully, is picking up that people do care about it, which is why Google have announced, you know, all of our servers are now powered on green energy. It's why Amazon are, you know, are greenwashing, you know, more than they've ever done in, in the past. You know, but, but 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 bringing that down to a micro level, how we've seen that, that those things change within our environment, we, we've predominantly operated as a ethical lifestyle media company. You know, we've actually, you know, pioneered this space for the for the last 12 years you know it's only been the last two or three years that the bbc have actually started to talk about mainstream climate crisis yeah they've covered weather reports and things like that but never have they uh, so intensely as the last couple of years with david attenborough's blue planet which was the start of things so but what we have seen um within our kind of environment within our world is that people are searching for eco ethical cleaner natural organic products now that is massive for us because we've always tried to inspire people about you know recommending the best that people can buy and what we did is we pivoted our business completely uh, just just two weeks into lockdown and launched a marketplace and we're really focusing on that marketplace and what we've done is we're trying to give people the power to firstly shop with curated products that are much better for people and planet and secondly and this is what every business needs to do is embed restoration into every transaction what does that mean it means when i buy something and it's taking from the planet which everything is then we give back to the planet at exactly the same time so we're doing that by planting a tree in the tropics with tree sisters which is a women empowerment ngo Um, and it costs us about the least amount of money we can possibly spend in order to plant a tree in the tropics which is the greatest uh, opportunity for sequestering and keeping temperatures down, right? The other part of that is Wildland Trust, and we, you know, we we pay to protect areas. So, so we're offering a, an ethical shopping experience that is as convenient, if you like, as some of the mainstream ones. But we embed restoration into our service. Now, we found that our 
our customers they love that and they want that and they're telling their friends about it so that's that hopefully answers a bit from a personal experience as well as the macro it's very inspiring to hear the amount that people are shifting and wanting to focus more on the sustainable side of uh, consumerism so yeah i've been trying to think what to say because there's so much i could say about this um but i think i'm going to focus on two of the projects we've been focusing on at global action plan so one is around this idea of these these visions of how, you know, what does a post-consumerist society look like? So on a practical level, what we've been doing is we've been working with young filmmakers, so kind of 18 to, to 30 year old filmmakers. So Jarvis has been involved in supporting us with this as well. So it's very nice to have that, that cross-pollination on this uh, podcast. Um, so we've gone out to them to think as what we see on our screens, when we see sustainability on our screens, it's it's usually, you know, the, the documentaries that are showing us all the terrible impacts of the David Latimer documentaries, which are super, we need those, at 100% we need those, we need the story of how bad things are. But when it comes to kind of seeing positive visions of how the world could be, like if we did start living in ways that were better for the planet, you just don't see that on our screens. So we we put out to young filmmakers to come up with dramas and comedies that are set in a more sustainable world. So we've been doing lots of work with the kind of TV set, sector. Um, we managed to rope in Richard Curtis to be a patron of our project. And we've been going out and kind of trying to convince uh, TV commissioners to, to put more sustainable TV content on our screens. So that's all been very exciting and just there's been so well received so it's really exciting to see that you know people in the in the tv sector who shape our culture are you know really recognizing this need to show us more sustainable visions of how we can live and one of the other things we've been working on that we've focused on is around so similar to what Jarvis has been talking about in terms of how we're influenced in the AI in our kind of online environment is now you know particularly in lockdown when we're all working from home and a lot of kids have been doing schoolwork on screens. We're all on the internet all the time. And yet, fundamentally, the business model of the internet is through advertising, is through, we get everything for free because it is paid for through our data, through which is sold to companies to sell us stuff, to keep us consuming. So um, we've been looking at, we've been launching a campaign to at least stop the targeted advertising to children. So turning off, what's called behavioural advertising to under 18s so that companies can't use their data to then sell to them in those really, really targeted, pernicious ways. So we've, uh, we've that's what we've been working on as well. So trying to kind of make our online environment a little bit less consumerist and trying to make what we see on our screens a little bit more positive and hopeful and seeing those kind of positive visions and sustainable features there too. Natasha, that's really, really interesting because I know a lot of the thought-provoking content that we're seeing on the TVs at the moment is this dystopian future as well, like the Black Mirror kind of type. So it's really interesting to hear a different approach to to this kind of thought-provoking, um, inspiring movement to get people to think differently about our actions now and how it's going to affect the future. So, yeah, really keen to see some of that work. We, we very much hope it will be on our screens <laughs> soon. Um, but no, some brilliant ideas from a teenager who wants to offset their entire life um, and going on a road trip with their mates to go through all the decisions they've made to uh, a world where beekeeping is now sexy and is the new kind of they're the new influencers 
because we've recognised how important insects are to our health. So yeah, there's lots of loads of really cool, exciting ideas. Love it. Can't wait to see them. And do you know when we can expect to see those and where we might be able to watch them? We are in the process of approaching commissioners to try and get to, to make these. So it'll be a while yet, but you can come to our website and see snippets of the ideas. So we'll be keeping our eyes out. And then Sarah, great to get your thoughts. I can't wait to watch those videos. They sound great. <laughs> yeah, this period has been really interesting for us as a charity. And I guess as a bit of background, when Hubbub started, we didn't even talk about climate change because at that time, sort of even five years ago, the reaction was one of kind of, oh, I don't really want to talk about that, um, or kind of fear. And as we've moved along, people have been becoming more and more receptive to that message. But it was still very project based. So if you think last year and the year before, plastics was such a massive issue for people. Consumers, consumers, <laughs> that's me doing it now. Uh, we were really aware of plastics as an issue and a lot of initiatives started happening, but people weren't looking at climate change as something that was joined up. And I think what this pandemic has done, as horrible as it is, has reminded us that we're all part of a really global community and that our actions affect other people and that we are responsible for each other in a way that we might not have thought about before. So suddenly the message of talking about, you know, the interconnectivity of climate change is feasible because people understand it, people are interested in it. We did some polling recently, which was just thinking about, you know, how were people feeling during COVID? How have their habits changed? And three quarters of the people that we polled said that they thought the UK should do more to protect the most vulnerable people in society from the effects of future natural disasters. So there's a real... Um, awareness that we need to start looking after each other we need to start planning um, and that we can talk to people about things that we'd have never been able to talk to people about before this had happened so it sounds like there's much more appetite for sort of people to engage in these sort of topics at this point yeah I think there's a lot more appetite to engage there's a little bit less fear um, people are just more interested in talking about it there is a climate change has kind of taken a little bit of a backseat as people are more worried about things like health that's what's going to happen during a pandemic um, but I think that you know what Jarvis was talking about earlier we have all been forced to stop a lot of people haven't taken the international holiday that they were going to take this year and it's unlikely that we'll ever be able to travel in that way ever again because low-cost travel is going to be a really different industry when we start getting back on planes again so I think people's habits are going to change and people have actually realized that it's not that bad and you know not being able to go on holiday somewhere sunny was okay nothing terrible happens um, and it's such a small minority of the country who are doing those things anyway you know it's only the the richest of us who are going on holiday buying lots of things and I think actually people are realizing that they can live without them um, and there are other things that are more important and this is probably going to be a very difficult question to answer and please sort of open to everybody so what's sort of your gut feel around whether you feel these changes will sort of last into the future? The million dollar question. Absolutely. <laughs> I think we're already seeing that, 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 you know, once we came out of lockdown, that people very, very quickly went back to, you know, as much as much of the old life as they could. And it, it, I think we're going to the pendulum is going to keep swinging back and forth you know, until it kind of slows down and stops. And that's that's just unfortunately human natural behavior. Um, what is amazing is, is how quickly we can adapt. I mean, look how quickly we all adapted when we had to. So we probably just need some serious kind of dictatorship um, environment. <laughs> but 
but with you know with some honest honest you know good good leaders you know that kind of king arthurian you know type type environment but i, I you know I'm, I'm not i am joking a little bit but i'm kind of not because i think it's clear that you know people unfortunately do need to be guided in a, in a healthy way um, but it looks like everybody's willing to jump on that bus so that's really cool there's a huge opportunity I totally agree. I think it's it is it's it is a little bit depressing when you see you know the queues of people outside night town you know waiting to get back in because they're so desperate to go shopping again. But I don't I wouldn't say that's the majority of people. I think that's probably a, a minority. It's just you sometimes you know that's what you see on the news, isn't it? Because it's they like to to show you know the high streets getting busy again. But I think yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I think it has been it's been such a long period now where we've had to change that people have started to form new habits. Um, I think had it only been, you know, a, a week or two or a month of changes and maybe it would, mm. it would bounce back a bit quicker to how things were before. But yeah, but we can't be complacent. We've all got to keep working and pushing and mm. us all working together and supporting each other to try and, you know, bring people along with us to 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 move into that that better world that we know that we can we can build but we have to kind of all do it together and none of us can do it on our own so I think it's helping people linking people together and really helping people feel that you know they're not the only one making changes that we're, we're all trying to do it together and it's a struggle and it's not always easy and but it can be great definitely I, I think it's really interesting as well I certainly had quite a few people almost confide in me that they quite liked their new life in lockdown and they were a bit anxious about restrictions being lifted and going back to the person they were before. So I think it's going to be yeah, really interesting to see how our behaviours do change and if people do kind of stay connected with that reflection they've had or if they get pulled back into the kind of lifestyle they were leading before. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully not. But um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I think the working from home thing is huge, isn't it? It's you know that's the the impact of that on on uh, you know, carbon emissions is absolutely massive, and so you know that's a very positive thing. We've discussed a lot about kind of your sectors, your businesses, um, the world as a whole, how other people are behaving. I would really love to narrow down and and get personal as as deep as you're comfortable to, and talk about for you guys really. I'd love for you to share what this year has meant for you personally um you know everyone in this call is is very environmentally aware and, and leading conscious lives but i'd be interested to know if you've actually had any shifts this year yourself um and you know what those shifts mean for you moving forward maybe next year how does that look for you for for me personally our business katie my wife who's editor-in-chief of our you know of our family business we have been propelled like someone's stuck us on the biggest catapult ever into the big onto the big stage and and why is that it's because um, most people don't have a clue what to do when it comes to um, sustainable business practice there is a lot of people out there that do but most don't and so we are being uh, I, I guess invited to operate under this kind of thought leadership um, transformational leadership perspective I, I actually really disguise, uh, dislike the, the word thought leadership because none of my stuff comes from thought it's all intuitively led from the heart and you know from experience and uh, if I dare say from led by nature so none of it is thought led 
so it's a, it's a terminology that I happily uh, embrace, but but certainly don't want to be labelled by it. So, but that's great because what we are doing now is we're working with these huge organisations. I mean, I've been talking to Google. We've just done a digital edition of a magazine, and you know, organisations like Citrix who have this kind of working from home, seamless, secure solution that all the big banks use and all the big companies use, and now they're trying to infiltrate it into you, just your you know your everyday kind of type of company. And so we've been, we've been, if you like, operating under that thought leadership guise with these massive organisations. That is, for me, amazing because, you know, we do know our shit. We, you know, we've, we've concentrated on it for a very long time. So we've had 12 years of embedded understanding of, of this ethical shoppers citizens journey. And, um, and, and, you know, and now lots of people, thankfully, want to find out how they can do things differently. So it's it's propelled us into into the stage, and you know we've got to be very respectful and aware and transparent in that place. The other thing that's happened is I'm saying no to a lot more brands and organisations because everybody's trying to get into our space, and you know we vet and curate and 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 really take on board um, the the level of importance that you need to to move into a cleaner economy. And so I'm saying no to a lot more people. And that's really quite difficult, but it's, you have to be cool to be kind. Um, it, it will hopefully help them to go away and think about the ingredients, the packaging, the way they distribute, you know, the, all of those things. So, you know, we've got to stand up and say no as a collective. And that, 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 if we believe it, we, we need to say no more often. It's really interesting. And Sarah, coming to you next, what has this year meant for you personally? a strange one hasn't it <laughs> yeah uh, it's been a weird year yeah a total shift in I think personally how I was living before I mean what you were saying earlier you know everyone's living a conscious or trying to live a, as conscious a lifestyle as possible but I'm still you know I was living in London I live with three housemates I was very much on a kind of wheel my life was very very busy I didn't necessarily have time to stop and think which I think is what I've had this year um, where we've done stuff like you know we've been able to shop and cook together which is something that we have never done before because everyone's on different schedules but I think mostly it's given me a chance to just zoom out a little bit and remember why I got involved in this industry in the first place and what are actually the important issues that matter why did we all start working in this field which I think is easy to forget when you're in that kind of day-to-day <laughs> rat race when you're thinking about a specific project that becomes more important than you know the overall goal so I think this year has given me a chance to just stop and reflect and remember why we're actually Super doing Super important it. to slow down I've, I've heard that for a lot of people that's been a real takeaway absolutely and Natasha what about you any any personal reflections from this year that you'd like to share? Yeah it's been um yeah I mean I've quite quite enjoyed being at <laughs> home more and yeah, I'm very lucky that I have a job that has transferred online very, very easily, much easier than we ever dreamed it would actually. We were quite worried when we suddenly we all had to go home and we couldn't do any of our live events and things that we would normally do. And actually we've just adapted and things have worked out really well. And you know, it possibly reached more people. So that's been really good. But in my personal life, I suppose the thing that yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, hasn't it? Like sometimes it's enjoyable and you think, yeah, it's lovely. I've got more time to exercise and take my dog out for a run in the morning instead of commuting, which is delightful. And I'm always up for spending more time with Luna, my dog. But I think uh, 
it's also just that, that even in the times when it has stuff there have been things I've missed like going to add loads of gigs booked in I'm really sad I've really missed live music and I I do miss you know the, the doing as much socializing as I used to do I do miss that but whenever I start to feel a bit like oh a bit better for this now just I think it's really tapping into that sense of gratitude of just how lucky I am and and how lucky many of us are and I think that's in the work we do around consumerism, we really talk about gratitude kind of being the antidote because what advertisers are trying to do is constantly kind of stir up our wants and make us want things that we don't have and always looking at what we don't have and what we want more of. And when we flip that and go, actually, what have I got and what am I really grateful for? Then, you know, I think that's it's, it's a real antidote to that. Um, really good for our well-being as well. And I think just... I know lockdown has been so hard for a lot of people. I'm very grateful I'm not a single mum in a small flat with four kids and no garden. You know, I think it, it must have been horrific for a lot of people. So I'm, I'm very grateful for what I have and uh, having a, a, a nice husband, a nice dog and a, and a nice house to live in and, and a nice job that I can work on. Life. I think just it's made me reflect more um, on what I have and how lucky I am, really. Um I think, yeah, having that sense of gratitude, and I hope that I will take that into next year and every year beyond to just, yeah, like like Sarah was saying, it's that opportunity to reflect, isn't it? And I think just reflecting on, on what we have is a really good practice to get into um, for all of us, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that really resonates with me. I think having that time to reflect and realise actually all the good stuff that you do have in your life, I think, it's certainly, I think, for me personally, it's something that sort of really hit home. And on, on that sort of very, very positive notes, uh, we're moving into our, our final question of the episode. What we'd love to hear is your view on what you see as being the biggest catalyst for positive change in your sector. I imagine that everyone might have a similar kind of answer, but I think that the, the biggest change for us is going to be people. Like, I think Jar- what Jarvis was saying earlier is totally right. Like, we are, as a collective force, very powerful and if we want real change to happen, then that involves all of us working together, really pushing for the issues that we care about. Um, you know, climate change, sustainability is a really complex field and we don't have to be experts in everything. But if you know people get interested in those little pockets of sustainability and push for change, then collectively, I think that's what's going to make a massive difference. Off the back of that, if we kind of building, building this things, so I'd love to kind of layer on that is that. You know, on purpose, which is, you know, which is what the show that we're on, it's becoming more and more clear to me. And we've all spoken to hundreds and hundreds of people on, on video conferencing over the last few months. Oh, my God, it's insane. But everybody's trying to get on purpose, actually. They're trying to define their lives in a way that, that gives them something a bit more than they've experienced in their lives to date. And so one of the big things that I'm really trying to ram down people's throats uh, with love, of course, is is, you know, what are you really, really brilliant at? Like, what's the skill that you are great at and that you love? Number one, how can you then use that skill to mitigate the climate crisis, even if it's over only the next 10 years? Just put that skill to good use over the next 10 years. And then number three is, can you then commit to that being your purpose? And, And actually, if what I'm seeing is, is nearly everyone around me, because I keep dropping those little nuggets, so they're, they're like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, oh, imagine living in a world where I'm, I'm brilliant at what I do. I love doing it because it's for something beyond my own self. And now I have a purpose. 
I think that's why we incarnated as human beings. I think that's why we chose to, you know, to come from being a spiritual being into a physical being in order to truly live our purpose. In the Sanskrit text, they talk about this as dharma. It's when you are being the perfect thing that you can be uh, for the greater good. And, you know, this is ancient. It's one, Sanskrit texts are one of the most ancient things ever written down. And so this is, a, this is a very old sacred wisdom. And we've just lost our way. And we're beginning to get back on purpose and find our way. And so I've got great hope that we will all pull together and mitigate this climate crisis. Because I, I only do it. I selfishly do this because I've got four children and I've got another one on the way being born in February. And I want a better world for them. By default... That means I've got to try and fix the issue for, you know, the 8 billion people on the planet. That's a big deal. But my personal agenda is to do it for my kids. Fantastic. I love that you're taking on the mission for your kids as well, well as the whole globe. We very much appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, just, you guys we'll just, just sit we'll back just and leave it with you, Jarvis. Thanks very much. <laughs> and then lastly, Natasha. Oh, well, if we're building on each other's answers, because, yeah, just, yeah, it's been, um, I would say, very similar things, really, to, to both what Sarah and Jarvis have said. And just to add something to that, that a lot of the work that we do is looking at values. And most people do prioritise. Most people care. Most people are pretty nice. Like, most people do want a greener, fairer, uh, nicer world. So I think having faith in our fellow humans that there's not many people who want to see, you know, the the, um, the the catastrophic consequences of climate change, who want to see our oceans filled with plastic, who want to see, you know, 60% of wildlife being killed, which, you know, has, has gone extinct, which has happened since the 1970s. Most of us don't want that. We do want a better world. And when we do tap into our purpose, most people's purpose is to make the world a better place. It's, <laughs> it's usually not... Uh, to, to you know, hurt people. It's it's to do good stuff, and I think there's lots of research coming out at the moment. There's there's a fantastic book by a guy called Richard Bremen called Humankind, um, which really talks about we've had this view of human nature for so long that humans are inherently selfish and out for their own self-interest, and actually science is proving that's wrong. That most of us actually are. It's been the survival of the friendliest, not survival of the fittest. You know, that, that what makes us great as a, as a species is our ability to cooperate and help and support each other. So um, I think, just you know, tapping into that, making sure that we, we have faith in each other and that we do it collectively. So everything Sarah was mm. saying, like, we need to support each other and do this collectively together and not feel alone and trust each other that we all want to, you know, being the best in people is, is really important. So that's, that's I'm going to end on that. <laughs> you should become prime minister. I would definitely vote for you. Oh, thanks, Jamie. <laughs> but I thought you were going to solve everything. So I'm just leaving. <laughs> I think we've got the dream team. Need some help. <laughs> <laughs> but Natasha, that's really interesting. It kind of brings us full circle back to the point at the beginning about labelling and that sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. And, you know, if we're told we're a consumer, we're told we're, we're selfish or, or whatever it is, then we kind of lead those lives. Whereas, you know, this book sounds like it's actually, well, no, let's believe that we're the other and then we can become that as well. So really interesting. We'll make sure that we put a reference to that book that you've mentioned. Can I just say as well, one of the really important things is, is, that, is the connect, this disconnection with nature that we've all lost. And actually every single thing that we eat, wear, what, you know, every material that we can possibly think of that when we look around it's everywhere 
nature is everywhere you don't need to go out and hug a tree to connect with nature you just have to go oh look this is nature and that if we could rebuild that relationship with nature but we wouldn't damage it in the way we are if we um if we remembered and that's i think the big the big issue for now is is kind of getting that people to remember that yeah and i, lo I loved your comment from earlier jarvis about thinking about sort of this pandemic has been that signal yeah. from nature and that real wake-up call that we've yeah. all really needed and it actually feels like there's a lot of appetite to tap into yes. that wake-up call and um, particularly i think to natasha's point again i love this survival of the friendliest i think that's such a good yeah. thought to hold on to because ultimately again to natasha's point that people are generally good and they want the best and i suppose it's making sure that we're sort of really tapping into that and encouraging and driving people forward with that sort of thought process. Yep, super. I mean, gosh, I've got so much to take away, but some of my kind of my key reflections for this conversation. Um, it's been really encouraging to hear about the shift in communication that Sarah alluded to at the beginning, reflecting on the early days of Hubbub and how climate change messaging at the start was almost kind of repelled for generating fear and negative reactions. But now... Um, we've realised how interconnected we are and it is feasible to make a difference. And so this climate change messaging is now welcome. Another key takeaway was Natasha's gorgeously simple but incredibly important reflection around gratitude. Shifting mindsets this year from what we don't have instead to what we do have and not looking for perfection, but instead finding pockets in our lives in which we can make positive, sustainable change. Jarvis, your point about our, our power is in where we spend our money, particularly if we're trying to break the system as it is, how important it is that we decide to spend our money um, in meaningful places. Um, that's that's really key. And that consumer label as well, that really hit me. That description you read out from the dictionary was um, was scary, really, that we've, we've lost touch with that and we're using the word and throwing it around so easily and not really thinking about the connotations behind it. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a brilliant book. Um, it's called... Uh... The cost of bananas. Uh, is it? Oh, how about a bananas? bananas? How about yeah, a bananas? Um, yeah, that that is Mike Bernard Lee. Yes, yeah, real. That's it. So, so he did it twenty years ago, and he's just done an updated twenty year, you know, twenty year on kind of edition. I mean, that's. I think you know a really good book, which is important, is Drawdown. I mean, that's what better been the book of the decade, really. But um, I'm not sure it's for everybody because it's it's you know it's probably a bit geeky, but. How Bad a Bananas is definitely accessible to everyone. The New Yorker has also just brought out a collection of the best climate writing of the last decade. I can't remember what it's called, um, but it's a, essentially a book of essays um, collected over the last 10 years, which might be interesting for people to read. There's, a, there's another recommendation, which is on, on brand a little bit with what we were talking about, which is, um, you know, the data capture thing. So, you know, people not owning their own data. There's this amazing app that we've partnered with called Get My Slice. And um, you download it and you just put in your details and it, it basically draws all your data back from Facebook and Google and everything else and puts it in a wallet. And then you get you keep, keep getting these little messages saying so and so is trying to buy your data. Would you like to sell it to them? And, and, it, and you'll get like anywhere from five quid to you know 500 quid or something depending on what the offer is and it's it, it is amazing and w the reason we partnered with them is to say we'll help you get out to an audience but every time somebody signs up you must plant a tree so we got them to commit to that and they're you know if it if it blows up in the way that it has the potential to it, it'd be huge 
you know, if Amazon planted a tree for every time, you know, somebody made a transaction like we do, we wouldn't be in this mess that we're in. Trillion, tr a trillion trees would have been planted. You know, it's, it's, it's really simple things that people can identify with. Um, but yeah, Get My Slice is an app that I'd very, very highly recommend. Sadly, we are very quickly running out of time. But yeah, just wanted to take a moment to sort of reflect on sort of the thoughts that have been shared today. Um, everything from philosophy through to data, through to human behaviour. There's been some wonderful thoughts that certainly I'll be taking away, away with me today. So yeah, it's been, been fantastic to have you all here. Thank you for listening. Our next episode, we will talk about social determinants of health and health inequality in the time of COVID-19. You can also check out our prior episode on the rise of mutual aid groups during the pandemic. This podcast series, A Moment of Change, is brought to you by On Purpose London, produced during the global COVID-19 pandemic of 2020 to shed light on some of the social and environmental issues that mattered most to them and that experienced turning points during this time of crisis. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review A Moment of Change on Apple Podcasts since that helps new listeners to find us. Subscribe to the podcast either there or on Spotify or on Google Play. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.